Welcome to the Guns and Yoga podcast. My name is Wendy Hummel, and it's Tactical Tip Tuesday, where I share a tip, tool, or dose of inspiration for your week. This week, we're kicking off the second installment of the Tactical Habit series. We first discussed the earlier, lighter dinner habit, and this week, we're going to talk about sleep. But first, I want to share something that's been on my mind and my heart. No pun intended, but it's about heart health. Recently, I learned that a former coworker of mine suffered a heart attack. He's okay, but it was surprising given his age and general good health. A few months back, a veteran police captain I used to work with passed away due to combination of heart and COVID-related complications. I also learned that in a neighboring agency, a woman I never knew, a mother, wife, and veteran police lieutenant, died suddenly due to a heart attack. I often discuss the statistic that the average age for heart attack among cops is 46.5, a statistic I got from Dr. John Violanti's research, but it's different when it hits close to home. Several years back, a coworker was out for a run over lunch. He was fit and lean, but he collapsed suddenly during one of his daily runs. And if it wasn't for the life-saving efforts of his running buddies, he wouldn't be with us today. This event inspired me to visit my cardiologist, something I would have never considered. The average age of heart attack for the general population is 65 years old. That's almost a 20 year difference. Now more than ever, we must take charge of our health and our professions with proper screening and lifestyle adjustment. Heart complications are avoidable. In an article I recently read in Police Chief Magazine, written by Dr. Jonathan Scheinberg, who's a police lieutenant and a cardiologist in Texas, discusses how heart health or heart disease is the number one killer of our cops. He explains that heart attack is consistently ranked as the second and third cause of death by organizations that track officer fatalities, but their rankings don't really include heart attack deaths that occur after an officer finishes their shift. He says that heart attacks are often a result of physiological changes that are initiated on duty, but they often don't result in a heart attack until hours later. If the numbers are count for a 24-hour day, heart attack would take first place. He goes on to explain that less than 3% of heart attacks are fatal, which means that the toll on those who suffered a heart attack and survived also isn't taken into account. Dr. Scheinberg makes several recommendations, one of which is addressing lifestyle. In future episodes, we will also address exercise and nutrition, but today we're going to focus on sleep and how it relates to heart health. Most cops or other frontline workers really don't get enough sleep. That's nothing new. In fact, most people in the general population don't get enough sleep. The CDC, which is the Center for Disease Control, reports that insufficient sleep is a public health epidemic, and overall, our sleep has decreased in averages, an average of one and a half to two hours. That's just regular people. If we factor in shift work, overtime, court, call-outs, and part-time jobs, cops sleep much less, and the sleep deficit is so detrimental to our health. A study that was done by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute concluded that long-term sleep deprivation can contribute to serious health issues such as heart disease, high blood pressure, and other cardiovascular issues. It has also been proven that irregular sleeping patterns lead to poor eating habits, which can result in obesity and obesity-related health issues. So what can you do about it? The World Health Organization or WHO, ranks chronic disease as the greatest threat to human health. Back in 2014, nearly 60% of our population had at least one chronic condition. 
42% more than one, 12% had five or more. Clustering these conditions is referred to as metabolic syndrome, which is another problem for our first responder population. Worldwide, three out of five people die from chronic inflammatory disease, not just heart disorders or stroke, but things such as obesity, cancer, diabetes, and respiratory illness. Stress and sleep disorders are risk factors for those chronic inflammatory diseases, but inflammation does not have to be a way of life. It's optional. For those of us who work first shift for the most part, if you're going to bed after 10 p.m., you're perpetuating that wired and tired cycle, which means we're fighting our body's natural rhythm to wind down physiologically. What does this look like? It looks like more family time, taking a walk, not doing any work, and maybe a few evening chores. Many of you are probably thinking, yeah, right, the time between six and 10 at night, supposed wind down time is the busiest part of my day, but hear me out. Consider this, if you're one of those people that considers yourself to be a night owl, have you ever noticed that if you go to bed after 10 or later that you kind of get like a second wind? If you spend your evening with stimulating activities like emails or other work-related activities, this is even more disruptive to sleep and you're contributing to your sleep deficit and you're stealing energy from your next day. This is the time of day that we should spend with more physical or connecting activities, connecting to our family members, our loved ones, our friends, our passion, our goals. When we align with nature's circadian rhythm, our health ensues. As a culture, we have no idea how tired we really are. Our fatigue is so ingrained into the fabric of our physiology that it wreaks havoc on our immune systems. When we develop abnormal circadian rhythms, we risk obesity, diabetes, depression, seasonal affective disorder, autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, MS, Graves disease, fibromyalgia, lupus, and more. That begins as chronic inflammation. So if we fail to unwind prior to our bedtime, it sets us up for failure as sleep will be influenced by that energy. Going to bed late, and when I say late, I mean after 10 p.m. for those of us that are on a day shift, you're training your body to produce cortisol around 8 p.m. Elevation of evening cortisol and chronic sleep loss can likely promote the development of insulin resistance, which is a risk factor for obesity and diabetes. If you average just six to seven hours of sleep, the CDC reports this short change can lead to disease imbalance and higher incidence of accidents, another killer for our cops. Here are a few tips to set you up for a successful night's sleep. And a lot of these things I know you know, but may not be doing. Reducing caffeine, nicotine, sugar, and alcohol. So despite the initial relaxing feeling of a drink or two, Alcohol is actually a stimulant and can interfere with the quality of our sleep. I used to really struggle with sleep for years. I was called in all the time, worked long hours. It's still far from perfect, but used to, I used to have, one of my things was that I used to have dark chocolate at night. I used to snack a lot before I went to bed and I didn't realize that some of my contributing factors to my sleep was that burst of sugar at night. So eating an earlier, lighter dinner, which is what we discussed in the the first tactical habits installment can help to ease digestion. That's one thing that we can do. You can adjust lighting, room temperature and noise in your room. And prior to going to bed, really think about increasing the activities that promote relaxation, such as meditation, restorative yoga, reading, music, 
taking time for reflection, whatever that looks like for you, journaling, snuggling, or hanging out with a loved one or a pet or taking a warm bath. If you're someone who falls asleep, no problem, but wake up in the middle of the night, again, consider what you're doing before you go to bed. If you're waking up in the middle of the night, are you working right up until the time when you go to bed? Your head may hit the pillow initially, but if you pop up four hours later, you're not giving yourself that adequate downtime to mentally digest your day. And now you're asking your mind to process the day before in the middle of the night when it's supposed to be in that dream state. So reduce mentally stimulating activity like work or checking email, phones, electronics, and TV. Now I'm guilty of this too sometimes. So this isn't something that I, I realize it's hard to do this every single night. If you want to watch TV, that's not necessarily a negative habit, but pay attention to what you're watching. So what you see, what you digest, what you take in before you go to bed impacts the quality of our sleep. I can't watch anything that's too activating for my nervous system these days or else I have a really hard time sleeping. In fact, I've started avoiding certain shows altogether. If you work nights, it's even more important for you to protect your sleep and have a routine. Regardless of what shift you work, you will most likely need to adjust your routine seasonally. For instance, I had to change my routine recently when my kids went back to school. For those who work nights, daylight savings time means less opportunity to see the light of day. What's in it for you to get to bed earlier? What's your why? And consider the ripple effect and how it can impact other areas of your life. See if you notice these small repetitive gains or a compound effect of an evening routine that nourishes your physiology. And if you're somebody who has quite a deficit, this could take a lot of time to catch up. I know it has for me. If you find value in this episode, please share it with somebody, give us a review. And if you'd like to be notified of future episodes and want to receive our future newsletter, you can subscribe on our Podbean website and email me directly at wendy at bluelineyoga.com. I'd love to hear from you with questions, suggestions for future guests or topics that you'd like to hear about. I'm going to be launching a series of free talks this fall as an extension of this tactical habit series, topics addressing burnout, chronic systemic inflammation, mindset and self-coaching, troubleshooting, sleep for shift workers, digestion, nutrition, self-care, habit evolution, starting out your day right, yoga practices to soothe the nervous system, journaling, and more. So shoot me an email and tell me what topic that you would want to hear more about or if you're interested in signing up. For those of you that are local, which means the Wichita, Kansas area, something exciting is coming. I'm going to be offering in-person mini retreats and events at our newly remodeled Augusta Yoga House. Both first responder only events and events open to the public will be offered. So stay tuned.